Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Sunday, February 18th. Happy Faulty Decision-Making Day. Which it ain't. I made that up. But it is cow milked while flying in an airplane day. So y'all see where I'm headed with this. But Bible Y'all Paul, you might say, you're talking gibberish. Are you having a stroke? Nope, this is an actual thing. See, on this date in 1930, a Guernsey cow named Elm Farm Ollie flew 72 miles on a Ford trimotor from Bismarck, Missouri to the International Aviation Exhibition in St. Louis. You ask why, I say why not. She was chosen because she was high producing and because she had a calm nature, which is what you want in a flying cow. They wanted to show off the ability of the aircraft and to study the behavior of cows on airplanes. I guess they thought that in the future, milking cows on airplanes would be a much more common occurrence than it ended up being. Anyway, turns out, cows don't care. They're cows. Ain't too much gets them spun up. They had to go all the way to Wisconsin to track down somebody willing to throw in on this with old Elm Farm Molly, where they found poor Ellsworth W. Bunce, who not only became the first man to milk a cow in flight, but also the first man to be made fun of for milking a cow in flight. The notorious EFO gave up about 24 quarts of milk, which for some reason was parachuted at the spectators when they got to St. Louis. The front page of the Post-Dispatch read, International Aviation Exhibition Bombed with Hot Milk. Film at 11. Now this holiday can only be properly observed by, you guessed it, milking a cow on an airplane. And if y'all don't do it and send me the video, you're letting me down. Just tell Southwest it's your emotional support, Guernsey, and they have to let you on. Our reading for today is Leviticus 6, 1 through 7, 27, Mark 3, 7 through 30, Psalm 37, 1 through 11, and Proverbs 10, 3 and 4. So if y'all are ready, head them up, move them out. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 17th in the Old Testament, we read Leviticus 4, 1 through 5, 19. And this chapter talks about how you make an offering if you sin through ignorance, whether it's the priest or an individual or the whole congregation. Basically, if you made a mistake or didn't know any better. And the Albert Barnes commentary says this is different from somebody who knew what he did was a sin when he did it. Somebody who sins on purpose. He says there's no offering for that, which I'm not 100% sure of that, but we'll keep going. And the common people had to offer a female, either a sheep or a goat. And the rulers always had to offer a male goat. And I don't know what that means, but it's probably something. And in chapter 5, verse 1 says, basically, if anyone sins because they don't speak up when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something they've seen or learned about, then they get held responsible. It's saying you have a responsibility to your fellow man to look out for their interest. That's a radical concept. It's almost never followed today. And the next section deals with sins you didn't know you committed like touching unclean things or swearing an oath thoughtlessly. You have to confess and make a trespass offering. So wait a minute, you can sin and not know it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Which begs the question, how many sins have I committed that I don't know about? Probably a lot. And I heard this guy preach one time that when we repent, you have to repent for the sins you commit, the sins you wanted to commit, the sins you would have committed if an opportunity had arisen, and the sins you'll go to your grave swearing up and down ain't sins. And that puts a bit of a perspective on it. Anyway, this chapter spells out how to make a sacrifice for those and how much money the guy has to pay also. 
That's specifically for a trespass offering, which is more about sinning against a neighbor than the Lord. The Lord, too, that's part of it, but it's just a different thing. You have to make restitution for whatever it was that you did, basically. And the name of the book in Latin is, And He Called. And it reminds me of wisdom calling out to give us wisdom, to come in, to learn. Sin remains sin regardless of our knowledge or our intention. If we love God first and foremost, we set about knowing Him, finding what pleases Him. And that's what this book is about. A couple other things that don't please God in this portion is cowardice and thoughtless and rash speaking. Unintentional sin against holy things has an offering with restitution. Taking these things apart helps me wrap my mind around what pleases God. There's an old saying, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing or say nothing. We can't bring the kingdom of heaven here if we don't know how it works or how we work in it. And God is kind of spelling out how things work for us to dig into and get a handle on. And then in the New Testament, we read Mark 2.13 through 3.6. And Jesus is walking along the seaside teaching. And he meets Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And they're talking about Matthew. And I have no idea whether Matthew was his first name or his middle name, but whatever. And Jesus has dinner at Matt's place. It's more of a dinner party, really, because many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And a publican is a tax collector, which was what Matthew was. And tax collectors were despised, especially Jewish ones. Because the way the system was set up, they had a quota. And any extra above that quota, they got to keep. So most of them were thieves. Yeah, and I just want to say, there's nothing new under the sun. See how the beast system entices us to sin. How it gives stealing its seal of approval. A covetous person is sunk under this temptation. That's why God warns. He says, don't covet. Excellent point. So Jesus is sitting there eating with publicans and sinners, and that upset all the religious Pharisees, who would never lower themselves so far as to associate with such rabble. But you can't get nothing past Jesus, and he called them out. He said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So they switch tactics. They come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And he says, Because, dude, I'm the bridegroom, and I'm here. As long as the children of the bride chamber have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But don't worry. Before too much longer, I'll be taken away. Then y'all can fast all you want. And he gives them this metaphor about how you don't sew a brand new patch that hadn't shrunk up yet onto an old garment. Or when it shrinks, it'll tear a bigger hole. Just like you don't put new unfermented wine into old wineskins that have gotten hard and are no longer flexible. Because the fermentation gases will split them open. And the King James says bottles. And they did use these large leather bottles for fermentation and would only carry around small leather wine bags. So it's the same thing technically, but the Greek says wineskins. But what he's also saying is, this thing I'm doing is new. I'm not a patch on an old system like how your IT department at work does things. And I'm not meant to fit inside the old Jewish law system because it's too small. I'll bust it open. If anything, it's a part of me. I'm not a part of it. Awesome. I don't think they got it, though. Anyway, on the Sabbath, they're all out cruising around through the cornfields. And the Greek just says planted fields. It doesn't say it was corn. That's another King James embellishment. 
and they were hungry, so they started picking corn to eat, which was illegal to do on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees got all spun up again. And they said, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So Jesus says, have you never read what David did when he was hungry that time? How he went into the house of God and ate the shoe bread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests. Y'all ain't seem to have no problem with that. And he says, don't y'all get it? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And you could say that about every law for that matter. And then he says, therefore, the son of man, me, Jesus, is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it doesn't say so here, but they could not have approved of that. And in chapter three, Jesus goes into a synagogue and finds a man there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees just knew he was going to do a miracle and heal this guy, except that was against the rules on the Sabbath. So they watched him. But Jesus knew all that and he made a show of it. He said to him, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And Barnes says it was a maxim with the Jews that not to do good when we have an opportunity is to do evil. Not to save life is to kill or to be guilty of murder. But the Pharisees didn't want to get backed into that corner, so they kept their mouth shut. And when he had looked round about on the Pharisees with anger over the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. And Herodians were basically Herod lovers. Jesus was apparently so good and holy it made the religious people hate him. So, irony. And don't you just love the fact that rest, the Sabbath, was made for us? We should really take him up on that weekly. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 36, 1 through 12. And David's talking about the character of the wicked, referring to some people who were plotting his destruction. So like every other Wednesday, basically for David. And he says, the wicked flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. They're arrogant and full of hate, basically. And then he describes God's mercy by quoting the third day song I like and asks for deliverance. The Young's literal translation says, Let not a foot of pride meet me, and a hand of the wicked let not move me. And essentially, I see this as a prayer, not just deliverance from foes, but also from temptation. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 10, 1 and 2. And he says, A wise man maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. It's the same for both, I'm sure. This is just poetic language. And he says, treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Wickedness brings so many treasures, though, like getting wasted and running the streets with loose women or getting rich by doing home invasions. It's all kinds of fun, real ego-boosting stuff. Of course, it all leads to death and hell, but righteousness delivereth from death. So if you're smart, you'll adopt some long-term goals, longer term than your life on earth, to be exact. Amen. Righteousness delivers from death into eternal life. So let's not set our affections on things on the earth and keep looking up. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 18th is Leviticus 6, 1 through 727. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence, or hath deceived his neighbor, or hath found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely, in any of all these that a man doeth, sinning therein, then it shall be, because he hath sinned, and is guilty, 
that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or lost the thing which he found, or all that about which he hath sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principal, and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth, in the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for any thing of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar, it shall never go out. And this is the law of the meat offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord, before the altar. And he shall take of it his handful, of the flour of the meat offering, and of the oil thereof, and all the frankincense which is upon the meat offering, and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor, even the memorial of it unto the Lord. And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat, with unleavened bread shall it be eaten in the holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of the congregation they shall eat it. It shall not be bacon with leaven. I have given it unto them for their portion of my offering made by fire. It is most holy, as is the sin offering, and as the trespass offering. All the males among the children of Aaron shall eat of it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings of the Lord made by fire. Every one that toucheth them shall be holy. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and of his sons, which they shall offer unto the Lord in the day when he is anointed, the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour for a meat offering perpetual, half of it in the morning, and half thereof at night. In a pan it shall be made with oil, and when it is bacon, thou shalt bring it in, and the bacon pieces of the meat offering shalt thou offer for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the priest of his sons that is anointed in his stead shall offer it, it is a statute forever unto the Lord. It shall be wholly burnt. For every meat offering for the priest shall be wholly burnt. It shall not be eaten. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest that offereth it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place shall it be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of the congregation. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. And when there is sprinkled of the blood thereof upon any garment, thou shalt wash that whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken. And if it be sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests shall eat thereof. It is most holy. And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation to reconcile with all in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burnt in the fire. Chapter 7 Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump, 
and the fat that covereth the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul that is above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests shall eat thereof. It shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them. The priest that maketh atonement therewith shall have it. And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest, shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering which he hath offered. And all the meat offering that is bacon in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan, and in the pan, shall be the priest that offereth it. And every meat offering, mingled with oil and dry, shall all the sons of Aaron have, one as much as another. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings, and of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offering, and the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice. And on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity, and the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burnt with fire. And as for the flesh, all that be clean shall eat thereof. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, as the uncleanness of man, or any unclean beast, or any abominable unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat, of ox, or of sheep, or of goat. And the fat of the beast that dieth of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts, may be used in any other use. But ye shall in no wise eat of it. For whosoever eateth the fat of the beast, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, ye shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of fowl or of beast, in any of your dwellings. Whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And our reading in the New Testament for February 18th is Mark 3, 7-30. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, 
and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. And our reading in Psalms for February 18th is Psalm 37, 1-11. A Psalm of David Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And our reading in Proverbs for February 18th is Proverbs 10, 3 and 4. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. And that has got it for the 18th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Genesis 18:14, which says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on second-guessing God versus contentment, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, we tend to get so impatient when we don't immediately get what we want. You promised Abraham and Sarah a son when they were 75 and 65, but in their impatience and disobedience, Abraham fathered a son through Hagar. But you are not slack, as men count slackness. And what looked to them like a promise that took 25 years to keep had really already been kept from before the foundation of the world. Father, grant us the faith that keeps to your schedule, doesn't second guess, and is content to walk with you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yallin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about the altar. Sprinkle. That's not how you say that. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about the altar. Nope.